0: We are joined again by Coach Kenny Brooks of the Virginia Tech women's basketball team. Uh, Coach, first of all, I want to congratulate you on your 85 to 32 win. That's right, 85 to 32 win over Coppin State, improving to 4 0 this year. That makes it 45-0 in home non conference games in six years. Coach, that is incredible. Congratulations. Welcome to the Suns of Saturday.
1: Well, first and foremost, Billy, I really appreciate you having me on. One of my favorite podcasts to do. Uh, I got got such a, I'm so proud of our group and our our kids and what we uh, can able to share with Hokie Nation that, you know, my my goal is to try to change it from Sons of Saturday to Sons and Daughters of Saturday, because we are very, very excited uh, about this this team and what we can offer. But, you know, we've gotten off to a great start, you know, pretty much what we expected. Uh, And I think we, I think our potential is through the roof. And I'm very, very excited about these kids. Absolutely. So the last time that we spoke, the last podcast we
0: put out was July fifteenth, 2020, right ahead of the 2020 season uh, after the canceled uh, cut early season in 2019, 2020. Uh, So just wanted to say, like, what have you learned from this last year? What have you learned through the tournament run? Um, How does it feel to be back? Just catch us up on everything that you've learned and kind of what it's been like since uh, getting back.
1: Well, first and foremost, you know, uh, I learned a lot about this team, not not just about their basketball ability, but, you know, just who they are as human beings. Uh, We've been through a lot, you know, through that time with COVID, uh, the many obstacles that COVID has presented. You know, we're going through a lot of social justice issues, um, you know, across our country and dealing with that. And through it all, we became stronger as a group we became stronger as a group. You know, we have a very diverse group. We, you know, we have white kids, we have black kids, we have biracial kids, we have international kids and uh, they all, they all were willing and, uh, and able to set up, set up and talk to each other about everything that was going on and not only talk to each other, but listen to each other. And uh, everyone wanted to help each other through the situation. And, uh, and because of and myself included, you know, I had, I had to make myself vulnerable. You know, i I'm, I'm a black man living in America and I've gone through a lot in my career. A lot in my childhood uh, that you know these kids are are learning about, and uh, you know they look at me as a as a strength as a as a source of strength all the time. They think, okay, I'm the head coach and I've never been through situations like this, but I have, and so I had to open up and be vulnerable and share my experiences and tell them that you know we have come a long way, you know in our progress, uh, but we still have a long ways to go. And they listen to each other, they talk to each other, and we respect with each other. You know, we came through this whole thing a lot stronger. And uh, I think that was a benefactor of, of us being successful in our season. We went through a lot of adversity last year, uh, really got it together, came together. And I don't think we could have come together if we didn't really love each other as much as we do. And I finished the season very strong, was able to, you know, get to the NCAA tournament, uh, get to the second round. And I think they were ready to build upon that this year. And, uh, and these kids have grown up. You know, last time we talked, Elizabeth Kiley was a baby. You know, now she's a stud, you know, she's uh, you know, one of the best centers in the country. Asia Shepherd was just coming into her own. Now she's on of being the all time leading scorer in Virginia tech history. And uh, so, so many things have happened. This group has really grown up and I'm looking forward to Hokie nation, just getting to know them, know their personalities, know their basketball abilities and really enjoy them. So you just mentioned this and uh, kind of alluded
0: to it, but when co, when the COVID restrictions were lifted and you got everybody back on campus, Um, you have a myriad of players from overseas, young, uh, younger, older ladies. Um, what were some of the ways that you uniquely were able to, when you were allowed to be back together, that you all bonded, uh, and got this team together outside of practice and outside of ball?
1: The biggest, um, biggest thing that happened that they were so happy about, we got our locker room back, uh, during COVID, you know, they couldn't go in the locker room. We didn't want them in shared spaces. We wanted them kind of separated from each other. So it was practice and then go home you know, come back, practice, go home. They didn't have that interaction with each other from a social standpoint. Uh, And it kind of showed, you know, it really showed. And uh, so when we gave them the locker room back, you would have thought we gave them all a million dollars and uh, they were so excited, you know, just to be able to have that locker room experience. That's something that every athlete cherishes. When, when athletes stop becoming athletes, the thing they they miss the most is the camaraderie in the locker room, you know, the bus trips and things of that nature. Um, So, you know, we gave them the locker room back. They were able to, you know, bond a little bit more and, you know, strengthen their relationships. Uh, But the other thing we had to really get used to was just people on campus and, Liz Kitley had never really experienced people on campus before. You know, her freshman year, you know, your freshman year, first semester, you, you don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of like fumbling through it. You don't really understand it. You don't, you know, have the, the true college experience yet. And uh, usually you start to have it your sophomore year. Well, that their sophomore year, there was no one here. So all of a sudden their junior year, there's people back on campus and they had to get adjusted to that. They had to get adjusted to, you know, dealing, interacting with the regular students who, you know, obviously then their social situations that they were they weren't privy to uh, during last year. And they had to get adjusted to things of that nature, all the while still being uh, conscious of COVID. You know, they can't, you can't go out and just do everything you want to do. So it's been an adjustment, a tremendous adjustment. Uh, They've had in-person classes now where last year they, we felt like they were almost like professional basketball players. We had them whenever we wanted to, and they could kind of do their classes uh, at their, at their own pace. And so it's been an adjustment. It really has, but this group is so mature uh, that they really handled it in a very special way to the point where it doesn't interfere with what we're trying to accomplish. Let's talk a little bit about, um,
0: Three of your players who have uh, been leading the country in a couple of different statistical categories, and we'll start with uh, Asia Shepard. She's leading the nation in three pointers made. She's on pace to be one of the best players in program history. How has she impacted you? How has she uplifted this program? I'm just going to give you a second to brag a little bit about your uh, your grad student guard here.
1: Yeah, man, she she's uh, she's everything to us. She was my first signee. Uh, you know, I sold her on a vision. You know, and she took a a blind leap of faith based on the vision that I had for her and this program. You know, I told her that, you know, she was going to be able to play, be herself uh, on the court. And I thought we could expand upon her, her talents. And I told her, I said, you know, we're going to recruit kids that are a lot like you and you're before this is over with, you know, you're going to be the cornerstone of something special, you know, get this program back to where uh, it should be, where it could be. And uh, you know, I had no proof, had no proof in the, in the pudding. And she really took that blind leap of faith. Her and her mother, uh, really trusted me uh, through that whole process. I've seen her grow as a woman. Uh, this kid has gone from, you know, being immature her freshman year, not really understanding it, uh, and very well could have left. And Billy, you know as well as I do, that transfer portal is very strong. And there, there were so many people in her ear telling her that she probably should leave because. She was playing behind my daughter and she was never going to uh, get playing time. And she really trusted me, the process. Her mother trusted me through the thick, through the thin. And, you know, through it all, she's grown up as a person. And now, now she's ready to take on the world because of her experiences she's had here at Virginia Tech. And uh, she will often say that she's not who she is without me. And I can say that I maybe I'm not who I am without her. And together, we've helped this program get to back where it should be. And I'm forever indebted to her. Uh, I think she's going to continue on and be. And whether she's either going to be a, a pro basketball player or the president of the United States, one of the two. You know, because that kid is very, very special. And she epitomizes everything you want in a Hokie. You know, she's you know ready to serve. She's ready to go out and do whatever she can for her community. Uh, She loves being a Hokie. I think you're going to have her on soon and she's going to show, she's going to tell you how much she loves being a Hokie. And when you can get that from a kid, you have a chance to build a a tremendous, tremendous program. And and I'm indebted to her and she's the best shooter I've ever had. Uh, You know, she will leave here as the most decorated women's basketball player in school history. And uh, I tell her to hold it for a couple of years because then Liz is probably going to break her records, you know, two years after that. But uh, that, that's just why I think that it's special and Hokie nation should really understand what they have, uh, in these kids watching these kids play. And it's very, very special. And, you know, I was a little disappointed, you know, with the, with the crowd that we've had, you know, the last couple of games, because it's a tremendous product, you know, as you mentioned, she leads the country in three point shooting, uh, Georgia Amore leads the country in assists and Liz Kitley leads the country in blocks. And, uh, you know, so we have something that's going on. It's very, very special. And, you know, I just really feel, I wish that, you know, Hokie nation would come out and really support them, you know, because we know that they like basketball, you know, the men's games are, are, are packed. Um, and, you know, we play, we play the same brand, you know, we probably make more threes. We don't have as many dunks, you know, we don't have a Justin Mutz, but, you know, we still have an exciting brand of basketball. So hopefully, you know, that will go on an upward tick and, uh, we'll have some people come out and really support these kids. Absolutely.
0: Um, and talking with Evan Hughes yesterday, shout out to Evan Hughes, by the way, um, love his work that he's been doing with you all and across hockey sports in general. But he said that he spoke with you and um, he mentioned that you have taken a little bit of a different approach in the way that you coach Asia. Um, and I, did, I I think some of the best coaches, uh, Charlie Wiles uh, used to coach the defensive line at Tech, was one of the really good examples of that is really good coaches are good at coaching, but also adapting their coaching to the learning style of different athletes. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you specifically coach her and how you may adapt your coaching style due to how somebody learns most effectively.
1: Yeah. You know, everyone's different. You know, I have three daughters and, you know, they all come from the same mom and dad, but they are very different and I parent them very differently. Uh, But, and I do the same thing with coaching, you know, some things that you can really, you know, push a kid with, you can't push another kid with, you're not going to get the same results. And uh and to be able to do that, you have to know the kids, you know, and, and we have, I have a really good relationship with all my kids. You know, it's not just, Hey, here comes coach Brooks. I want to know what's going on with you. you know, I want to know your family. I want to know, you know, what your interests are, what your goals are. Uh, we have a lot of one-on-one meetings, you know, just talking about life, you know, goals and whatnot. And through that all, you know, I can learn a lot about their personalities. I know what's, what's, what buttons to push to get to them. And uh when Asia Shepherd came in, she was extremely talented, uh, but she really didn't know the game yet, especially at this level. And so her first couple of years, there's a lot more detail oriented, you know, it was harder on her and, you know, just constantly on her about, you know, getting reps, understanding what she needed to do. I had to teach her how to learn the offenses and not memorize them. OK, because our offenses are based off of, OK, what the other team is doing and maybe we make an adjustment. So you have to know what you're doing and not just memorize. You can't go A to B to C. Uh, you have to know why you're going from A to B, because maybe they take away B and you can go to C, you know, right away. And she's starting to pick that up and she's starting to pick that up. So now and she's an elder statesman of our team. Uh, I don't give her probably as much attention as I did the first couple of years, because at this point she has to figure it out on her own. You know, a lot of it on her own. Now we still coach her, coach her a lot, but I want her to be able to handle it and understand situations because when she goes to the next level, she's going to be playing with thirty-year-old women, you know, who don't want her to take their job, and she's going to have to figure it out because I'm not going to be there, you know. And this is that trial run as a senior. When I was at James Madison, I had a couple kids who got drafted to the WNBA, and that was the same model that I used. You know, the first three years, coach them hard the fourth year, they pretty much, okay, you know them, but they have to kind of handle a lot of it on their own. And, uh, and you can't turn those reins over to them unless you know them. And that's the way we do with our kids. We know what, what their strengths are, their weaknesses. We talk them through it. And then hopefully that last year, they're able to not only get themselves through it, but then help you get the younger kids through it as well.
0: Moving on to, uh, to Liz Kitley as well. She's leading the nation in blocks, do- averaging a double-double, Average a double-double last year. And my, my first question is is more of a philosophy question. I'm sure any coach in America would like to have one of the best three point shooting teams in America. I'm sure that same coach would love to have one of the best centers in America. You have both, so what are some of the challenges that that rep, that that presents to you, and how has that been able to kind of catapult your program in the same in the same way?
1: You know, and the first thing I'll say, and you, you'll hear you'll hear me say this a lot, Billy. You know, I, I am. I'm a proud, I'm a proud coach, proud parent. And, you know, I know how hard these kids work. So when you say that I have both, we have both, you know, when I say we, I'm talking about Hokie Nation. And that's why I'm like, you know, recognize that. And um, it's not a challenge at all. And the kids understand it, that that ball goes inside first. You know, that ball goes inside first. We play inside out, inside out. And we do a lot. We throw the ball inside. And I've never seen a kid get doubled and triple teamed as much as Elizabeth Kidley. I, I never. So much so that last year, it caught me off guard as a coach. And I take full responsibility for her struggles in the beginning because I've never had a center who commanded that much attention. And in, even now, it, it, it is like a constant battle. And she's averaging 19 and almost 11 rebounds. 19 points, 11 rebounds. And she's being double and triple teamed every possession. So that shows you how special she is. And there are coaches around the country and they marvel at her development. They marvel at her footwork. They marvel at her ability to to get better because when she got here, she was a back to the basket, just a power post player. And the more and more I kept teaching her, the more and more she was able to grasp and execute and perfect. And so we were able to just continue and give her more and more and more. So our kids recognize that. um, The majority of our plays that we run are for us to get the ball to her number one. And when they double team and triple team her, then we have counters to that. And that's where our kids are able to get, you know, a lot of wide open shots. So they know we're going to throw the ball inside. They're going to double and triple team. They're going to get wide open shots. And, you know, it's almost like pick your poison. You know, we played against Davidson and they held her to six. They think they held her to six points. After the game was over, she was the happiest person in the locker room because we played so well and we scored. We shot 15-3. She didn't panic. She got back in the gym the next day and she was like, "Okay, I want to watch film and see where the double teams came from." And she's learning like a quarterback to read the defenses. Where is it? is this going to be a uh, cover two? Is this going to be man to man? Is it, are the double teams coming from you know the top, the bottom? Where is it coming from? And as a result, her assist uh, her assist numbers are way up and her turnovers are way down. Because she's the game is slowing down for her. She's hitting her teammates, you know, and you pick your poison. Davidson, they they decided to double and triple team her. She scores six points, but we make 15 three-pointers. You know, we go to George Washington, they say, well, they don't want us to make 15 three-pointers, so they're gonna give her single coverage. She scores 34 points. And so we're just a kind of team that we can kind of play a lot of different ways. Uh, we control the narrative, but if you wanna double her, we'll shoot from the outside. If you wanna take away our three-point shooting, she'll go to work one-on-one. So tremendous tremendous uh, recipe for success I like it and it was by design we knew when we got her we needed to surround her with shooters and uh, and we recruited kids who really fit our system and moving on to the uh, to the third lady of the bunch uh, Georgia
0: Amore. Amore. Georgia Moore I was calling it a more I got corrected by uh, Evan Hughes so uh, no more of that but'll I'll
1: uh, be, be Muffet McGraw and call her a more so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's leading the nation in assists. As a sophomore, um, her growth over this, over this last year has been incredible. I'm curious, what were some of the focuses during this offseason, uh, and where have you seen her made some of
1: her biggest strides? First and foremost, that kid is, is – I call her my mini-me. Um, you know, She came here and she captured our, you know, all of our hearts. She's the heart and soul of our team. Uh, she's a vocal leader. She's the emotional leader. Uh, she's so unselfish. And you know, just you know, taking it even a step further – what she's gone through, you know, to be as good as she is for what she's gone through has been tremendous. Um, you know, she has not seen her family in two years, you know, because of COVID. You know, she was pl- she was scheduled to go home. And because of the restrictions in Australia, she wasn't allowed. Her parents weren't allowed to come here. Um, went through a little bit of homesickness last year, you know, right, right at the beginning of um, right around Christmas time. Um, this Christmas, you know, her parents are scheduled to come over here in a couple weeks, which we're so excited about. Uh, but, you know, she's she's playing with a heavy heart right now. And she, her grandfather passed away, you know, uh, yesterday and two days ago. And so everything she's endured, you know, for her to still be playing the way she's playing has been remarkable. It's, an, it's a testament to her, her work ethic, her will, her dedication, uh, and been in a really good place. Hokie, Hokies, Hokie Nation, everyone has really embraced her and kind of adopted her and it's allowed her to be able to grow. And she was the, she was probably the main reason why we took off last year. She had struggles in the beginning, and rightfully so. She got here. She had five games to get prepped for ACC play. And that's really not fair for a freshman. You know, five games into her career, she's playing a, uh, an ACC game. And she had some struggles in the beginning. We struggled. We went 2-7 and seven to start the game, start the year. And then a lot of it had to do with just inexperience at the point guard position. We were close, just couldn't get over the hump. And then all of a sudden we stuck with it. You know, I had faith in her. We all have faith in her. And then the light bulb went off and then she started playing tremendous. And as she started playing great, we started playing great. I think we won like our last six games or something, uh, put us in position to qualify for an NCAA at birth. Uh, And then now we added two players to our, to our roster. Kind of upset the apple cart a little bit as far as way as, you know, what it was. And now she's playing a different role. And so it's all she's done is adjusted and gone out and leading the country in assists now. And, you uh, know, although she still can score, she's happy to do whatever the team needs, you know. And uh, right before I came on with you, I just had a workout with her. And, you know, she's shooting the ball exceptionally well, just needs to see it happen in a game. But, you know, I think for us to have her for the next four years um, is a blessing. And, uh, and it puts her right up, puts us right up there with anyone in the country because she's as good. I'm not saying she's better than any, anybody, everybody in the country, but she's as good as anybody in the country and she can hang with them and she gives us that swagger that we can go out and compete with anyone so it's a blessing you know i'm a point guards coach and i was a point guard in college and you know she and i at a very very early stage in her career we're on the exact same page and that's a that's a that's like the equivalent of having you know a a five-star quarterback uh on your group as a football uh team and i'm very very excited about her growth and where she's going to continue to grow
0: Last couple I have for you here about the team in general. I know it's been four games. What is the biggest area you have a need for
1: improvement after seeing these four games from your team? More people in the stands. I promise you, we get that and we feed off of that. Uh, You know, this thing is going to take off. Um, But from a basketball standpoint, we just need to continue to develop chemistry. And uh, we can continue to develop chemistry. And, you know, they're still learning each other, and rightfully so. I don't expect them to be peaking at this point in time, but we're playing very, very, very well. And, you know, we had the two new additions. I just mentioned Kayana uh from Purdue. She was Purdue's leading scorer. And when we recruited her, uh, she could have gone to Georgia Tech. She could have gone to Florida State. She could have gone to Ole Miss. And she chose here because she wanted to get better. Uh, but she told me, she said, Coach, I don't need to start. I just want to be able to come in and contribute on a really good team. And she's done exactly that. You know, she's come off the bench. She, She very well could be the sixth man of the year in our league. Uh, Emily Lytle, you know, we, have, we had played against her, you know, plenty of times at Liberty university. She was a thorn in my side. Uh, she's the, she's exactly what we needed. in that four spot, someone who can really play defense, bang, rebound the basketball, but also shoot it. It added so much more to our, to our team and what we are able to do. And uh, so we're just going to continue to learn each other and get that way. Uh, I want us to develop a tough mentality where we can play against anyone And uh, we're we're on our way to doing that. And I'm very, very pleased with what they've done so far. But I think we're going to continue to get better. We're going to be a much better team in December than we were in November and a much better team in January than we were in December and a much better team in February than we were in uh, January. So I think this team has tremendous growth potential and uh, we're we're, we're fun to watch. We lead the country in three point shots. You know, we're up there in scoring. We play a fun style. And uh, I think that's that's twofold. We win the basketball game, but we'll also be very entertaining in doing so. And then we have some of the best players in the country. Uh,
0: Another question that I have for you, and I got to say, coach, in the two times that we've spoke, um, I think one of the most awesome things are how you approach coaching, the relationships that you have with your players. And I think that's why they play so hard. I think that's why you have such great unselfish uh, ladies come in and take some of these roles and um, it's just great. The personalities in this team are fantastic. The personalities in the teams prior were awesome um, and just love the program you're building. Um, I'll ask you this. What, how would you describe this basketball team off the court? Um, fun uh-huh. to watch on the court, fun to watch behind the three-point line. How would you describe them in team events,
1: in the locker room? What's, the, what's this team like? So they're, they're, they're so different from an individual standpoint, but collectively, they're so much fun to be around. And, and you know, we, we do this, Billy, really for a living. I, I love these kids. I, I mean, they, they exemplify everything you want in a student athlete. You know, for me coming here to Virginia Tech, I had to learn Virginia Tech. I had to learn what it meant to be a Hokie. I found out from an early stage what it meant to be a Hokie. Vanessa Panousis was a Hokie. Sammy Hill was a Hokie. And they taught me what it meant to be a Hokie. And those are the kind of kids we want to go out and get. And we went out and got these kids, man, and they, they represent in the community. They, they're very uh, well represented in the community. They do so many different things, uh, volunteering their time with young kids, with, you know, older people being a great representation. Uh, in the classroom, last semester, we had a 3.7 GPA. They compete in that aspect. You have a couple of them that are going to be doctors. A couple of them are going to be biomedical engineers, uh, communications majors. Um, and then they're just fun to be around. I mean, we, we go to my house, you know, I'll come home and my wife's cooking a lot of food or something. And I'm like, why are you making so much food? Well, the girls are coming over and I'm like, oh, Okay. And they come over, they hang out, they sit, they sit and watch games, you know, with my daughters. And, you know, I, luckily I have a man cave, so I don't even have to be around them if I don't want to, but you know, <laughs> they, they just, they're just, they, they are everything that you want in a program. They're great kids. Uh, they're fun. They're funny. If you follow them on, uh, on TikTok, you'll get a lot. George is a hoot you know, uh, you know, she's funny, uh, but they're great representations of what we want to exemplify as being a hokey, And I'm very, very proud of them for that. And I'm very, very proud of, you know, it, it took a little while for us to get to that point. Uh, but now I'm like, I come to work and I have so much fun at work. I have so much fun with these kids. I have so much fun in helping them. You know, we, we talk about real estate. We talk about, uh, we talk about just investments. We talk about, you know, the money, obviously they, they get, nil they get uh cost of attendance there's so many things and we're talking about life and how to you know handle that and so it's it's so much more than just basketball with this group and it's so much fun to be around them and uh that's that's something that's a lot of hard work that we've had but i'm very very proud of that
0: coach really appreciate the time love uh, love what you guys are building for those of you listening i implore you Check out the Virginia Tech women's basketball team. They have Campbell at home on the 20th. They have Missouri State at home. And then the big one that we all need to pack Castle Coliseum for, we got the ten- Tennessee Lady Volunteers coming to town on December 5th. So mark your calendars. But, Coach, incredibly pl- proud of all the work you've done. Appreciate uh, you jumping on and um, keep on going, and we're, uh, we're rooting for you. I
1: appreciate you guys, man. It's Hokie Nation. It's a special place. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to represent and add to the excitement uh, of of everything Virginia tech right now. There's a lot of great things going on. Obviously we got some other things we need to shore up, but you know, we're glad to do our part and uh, we're glad that we're able to do it on such a high level. So I appreciate you. You guys have a great platform. Uh, Love being on here. Let's not make it two years for the next time or a year and a half next time. You know, I'd love to come on, but I follow you guys. You guys do a tremendous job. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks coach. We'll talk soon. All right, Bill. All
0: right, everybody, had a ton of fun with Coach Brooks. Now we are welcoming on Asia Shepard. She is number two, the guard from Alexandria, Virginia. Going to do a little bit of bragging. The all-time three-point leader for the Virginia Tech women's basketball team. She is one of six players to get to the 1,500-point milestone as of yesterday. Has a chance to become one of the all-time leading stores in program history. But before we talk hoops, Liz and I are going to clap it up. And congratulate you on earning your master's degree earlier this month. Congratulations, Dr. Shepard. I don't even know if it's doctor, but uh, congratulations. You. Can, you can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, so uh, it was a very stressful process, but it was wonderful to go through, um, and it, it was all worth it in the end. Um, and I ended up doing something um, that was along the lines of my undergrad degree, which is multimedia journalism, Um, And I just kind of described the roadblocks that women in in sports media face in Virginia specifically. Um, And I just felt that it was very important to kind of get that out there.
0: That's awesome. Well, congratulations. Uh, We'll move it on over to the junior center from Summerfield, North Carolina, number 33, Elizabeth Kitley. She is averaging career highs in points, rebounds, and shooting percentage, and leading the nation in blocks. So Elizabeth and Asia, welcome to the Suns of Saturday. Thank Thank you. you. Awesome. So we'll start, uh, we'll start with you, Liz. I want to talk last year about um, the 2020 season Um, COVID year, obviously tremendous challenges. I want to know about what were some of the biggest challenges you faced and some of the biggest lessons that you all learned as a team going through that together.
3: Uh, I would say our biggest challenge is probably not having as much time together as a team and not really able to build like that chemistry and bond that you know we would have in a normal year um, also definitely having only five non-conference games before getting into conference is super different like we were just talking about that today because if it was if this had been last year we would only have one more game and then we'd be playing like NC State or Duke or something and that's just crazy I can't imagine doing that now so the fact that we got through that last year is really cool and definitely made us better and made us appreciate this year more.
0: And Liz, so correct me if I'm wrong. You your freshman year was a normal year, and then uh, sophomore year, your first year off campus, mm-hmm. nobody's going outside. So I'm sure that was a a, a super unique challenge for you. And then um, Asia, I wanted to ask you. So as an upperclassman, how did you really challenge this team to bond, to spend time off of the hardwood together, uh, and really develop friendships off of the court when you were allowed to uh, when the restrictions were lifted.
2: Um, we tried our best, like as soon as everyone was on campus to just like help each other move in or like go out to eat or anything to really get together. We tried our best to do it. Um, and the coaches allowed us to do that, too. Like they would suggest like we go laser tagging or to the movies or just something to kind of be in each other's presence, to feel each other out, um, especially because the the transfers that we got weren't able to take visits on campus either. So um it was just a lot about bonding and trying to reel them in and show them the the way before we got really started with the season.
0: And then following last year, I mean, it's not breaking news here. You easily could have gone pro um, and you decided to stay in Blacksburg and come back for that additional year. What went into that decision? Um, Who were some of the folks that you talked to about it and what led you uh, to come back to Blacksburg for this graduate year?
2: Um, The main a uh, thing for me was that I just felt like I had a lot of unfinished business um, with my teammates and just how we finished the end of last year. Like it was bittersweet. Um, the sweet part was obviously going to the NCAA tournament, um, but the bitter part was obviously losing to Baylor. Um, so that since I got that taste, I really wanted to come back and enjoy that for another year. Um, but one of the biggest things for me was talking to um, Jasmine Thomas, who actually plays for Um, Connecticut on WNBA. Um, She told me, you know, a few different things that I needed to work on and look at. um, And she was able to talk to her head coach and get some feedback from him as well. Um, And I took that and I talked to coach, of course, Uh, we just came to the consensus that uh, I wasn't ready to leave Blacksburg yet. So I wanted to stay for another year. So let's talk about that. When you decided that you were coming back,
0: um, what was the reaction, Elizabeth, from you? What was the reaction from the coaches? Was there uh, how did you kind of tell everybody that I'm back this year? I so. no. Well Asia, you could tell how did you tell everybody that you were coming back? And Elizabeth, what was your reaction to that?
2: Um, so I would the coaches were actually meeting. Um, so I popped in and I said, you know, I was coming back. And Coach Poppy kind of had like tears in his eyes. He gave me a hug, everybody gave me hugs. Um, and then I texted the team, or so I thought. Um, in a group chat and everybody was I was like hey guys I have something to tell you and I had the rest of the message typed out but I never sent it so everybody was kind of like Shep, like what's going on and then I sent it they were like oh thank god
3: (laughs) yeah we were all like sitting there with our phones like staring at it like what's going on she definitely
2: loved us yeah it was really bad like I was like oh my god nobody's responding (laughs) and then I was like wait I never sent it yeah
0: Oh, man. Well, and then the next question here. So you talked about the improvements that you heard from uh, the WNBA and uh, from some of your coaches. Um, I want to know what your biggest focus was during this offseason. So we'll start with you. What was kind of your biggest focus on improvement for your game this offseason?
2: Decision-making overall, um, rebounding, kind of like the little things, the intangibles that coaches look for that um, I would try to give night in and night out so that there's no doubt in their minds by the time the end of the season comes and, and there's decisions to be made. Liz, what about you? So at towards the end of last year,
0: double teamed, triple teamed, sometimes quadruple teamed, obviously a little bit of a unique, uh, a unique situation. What have you really focused on during this offseason knowing that you're going to see double teams and triple teams primarily the entire ballgame?
3: Yeah, um, I definitely had to work on my passing a lot more because that was kind of something that I never really worked on, I guess, until the season last year. And so now that coming into this year, we kind of knew what to expect and what was going to happen. We worked on that a lot more, even in individuals, like we just get all the coaches out there and have me make passes to like each position and just to be ready for that, I guess, and be ready to make reads and not just make my decision with what I was going to do before I got the ball. So like reading the defense and everything that they're doing.
0: And Liz, we'll start with you again. I just want to, um, one of the things that I talked to with Coach Brooks and when I interviewed him um, a little bit over a year ago was how much he learns from his players off of the court, the relationship that he builds with his players off of the court. Um, I just want to understand kind of what co- What have you learned from Coach Brooks? What have you learned from this program? And what is your relationship like with this staff?
3: It's so special, honestly. Like. I don't even know how to put it into words when people ask, but it's just like a comfortable feeling knowing that I have him here and that he's always up here and for me and not just like on a basketball level, like whether I have a horrible game or a great game, I know he's going to love me at the end of the day and tell me what I need to hear not just what I want to hear. Um, and even like outside of basketball advice, like he's preparing me for life and he knows what I want to do after college. He wants to, you know, make me the best doctor or whatever I go on to do that I can be. So just like learning valuable information and life skills, I guess, not just basketball skills.
0: And for you, Asia, so you were, and he said it before, kind of his first recruit when he got to to Blacksburg, Virginia. Um, How do you look back on all of these years and the growth of this program and the growth of you as a player and a a woman now and Coach Brooks and everything that he's been through? What do you make of these last few years that you've spent in Blacksburg and coming uh, up on your senior year here?
2: Yeah, I just think that the trajectory of the program is, you know, based on the way coach and I grew together. Um, he's been here for as long as I have or one one extra year that I have. Um, but uh, we've just grown together and learned so much together. Um, and we've you know, we've been through the trenches. So we've we've experienced so much. And the fact that we're able to have players like Liz and Georgia and Kayana and everyone on our team. To want to come here and want to be a part of this is just a testament to how hard we've worked and, um, and just how hard and 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 how much we love each other, honestly, and how much we trust each other. I think that's the biggest thing because I, like Liz said, we can make mistakes on the court, but at the end of the day, I know that he has my back, um, and I'm I'm okay knowing that I can make those mistakes and I can continue on because he's going to let me.
0: Next question I have for you here is uh, some of the upperclassmen on this team how have you guys approached your leadership role? How do you guys try to impact some of the younger uh, the younger folks or some of the uh, transfers that come in? We'll start with you, Liz.
3: You know, honestly, it's still a journey. Um, it's kind of weird hearing when you say upperclassman. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm yeah. like, chef, oh, And yeah.
1: then I'm like, oh wait, so <laughs> am I. Like,
3: it's so weird. But I guess just thinking about like being an upperclassman and years of experience, like we've been here so much longer than a lot of the people. And we know the system, I guess, better. We know what coach wants. So, you know, when we're doing a drill or something, like if we have to be vocal, like telling them what to do or what he wants, or, you know, what to expect out of timeouts or anything, like we've just like been here. So we have that experience and trying to help them get comfortable and prepared with that is probably the main thing. And always just being vocal too, because we know how important that is to our, our program and the coaches.
0: What about you, Asia?
2: Um, I, I agree with the same. Um, just kind of stepping in when need be. Uh, we have a very, very veteran group, so it's not like we have things or issues that come up all the time. Um, it's really just about us and just feeling each other out. There's times when someone might not understand something that coach said just because the verbiage is still pretty new to them. Um, so it's just like stuff like that. But uh, I think that we both do a great job of leading by example and just being there when someone needs something.
0: And then on the flip side, what are the, some of the things that you have learned from either underclassmen or folks that transferred in to other schools? We'll start with you, Liz.
3: I've definitely learned a lot from our transfers this year. Um, having Emily, who's a sixth year, and KT, who's a fourth year, K on a trailer. Um, and they've both played so many minutes at Purdue and Liberty, so they have their own experiences, all of their own skill sets. And you know, learning from them, watching them, learning how they play just makes me better because I just get to play with new people with new playing styles and it really can only elevate us to a new level. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with that as well. Um, I think the biggest thing I've learned from them is that, you know, they've adapted to a whole new system. They both played, you know, at Liberty for, or Emily played at Liberty for a, a good amount of time. And KT played at Purdue her whole career. So them being able to come in and learn a new system as quickly as they did and fit right in. Um, just shows resiliency um, and just shows that, you know, no matter what we face, we can get through it.
0: So question for you, Liz. Um, parents in, the bit of, in a bit of a spotlight. Uh, Kitley LR, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, mm-hmm. one of the most positive, upbeat, exciting people that are on Twitter, just loves the basketball team. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about her Twitter profile for a little bit. And also I want to talk about, Let's start with your father, Ralph, who was a standout player at Wake. Um, First of all, who wins one-on-one in the driveway? (laughs) Oh, my God, me. Okay, okay. (laughs) How does he – so what are y'all's hoops conversations like? Talk to me a little bit about how he's helped your game, Uh, what kind of conversations you guys have after games, how involved is he in uh, your development now? Just kind of touch on that.
3: Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot. I would say in high school he had, like, a huge role in it – but in high school, I was also doing like right and left hooks, like nobody's business. And that was kind of his go-to. And then once I got to college and coach Brooks is kind of, not kind of, he's completely like changed my game and like expanded it. He's kind of just, you know, let off a little bit. He doesn't want to interfere with like my coaches here, which is sweet. But the most he'll say, is like, you need to rebound more, or, like something <laughs> like that, like just like nothing like that interferes, but he'll he'll tell me like what he sees, I guess. But. He's very conscious of my
0: coaches. He has. So, rumor has it, confirmed and I was talking to Evan Fuse yesterday. Is it true your family has been to every game you've ever played except for two mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico? Is that right? Yeah, that's true. That's
3: unbelievable. i
2: can to that. Yeah, they've been, they
3: went to every Europe game. with us our freshman year, and those games didn't even count, but they watched our pre
2: season. I was about to say, not only do they come to the games, they watch us warm up. Yeah. I oh I guess an hour early. Yeah. <laughs> we, gotta start,
0: we gotta start getting uh we gotta start getting the live tweets from uh from Mrs. Kitley on that. Um Asia, who are some of the people outside of the Virginia Tech uh bubble that have really impacted your game? Whether that be family, whether that be uh teammates that you used to play with, um, who have some of those people been?
2: Um, family definitely um, but obviously I'm from the DMV so there's a long list of people who have played against or played with um, that has challenged my game that helped me elevate my game especially in high school uh, to get to the level that I'm at now um, my high school coaches um, there's just so many people that uh, have challenged me and have allowed me to be myself um, and never told me you know you have to change or anything like that so uh, it's been great, and it's it's great to have the support system that I do back home.
0: I want to ask you all both the same question, um, and we'll, uh, we'll start with you, Asia. Uh, can you give me the goal for this basketball team and a personal goal that you have for yourself both on and off the court?
2: Goal so for the team, we want to be ACC champions, um, and we feel that we can do that. We feel we have the pieces to do that. Um, individually it's always the same goal just be the best teammate I can be best person I can be on and off the court um, to help any and everybody
3: same thing I would say team goal also I think we all want to be ACC champions and we all think that we can so there's nothing stopping us from believing that we can Um, and then personally I really want to be a better leader this year Um, not just by example, like Shep said, I think sometimes we do it by example too much and sometimes we just need to open our mouths more. So getting more comfortable with that.
0: So here's the fun part. This is rapid fire. It doesn't have to be a one word answer. These are, uh, some have to do with basketball, some don't, but we'll, uh, we'll go, uh, we'll go in alphabetical order. So Asia, you go first and then Elizabeth, you go second with all these, but, uh, we'll have fun with this and see where it goes. So what is a show that you guys are binge watching right now? Your favorite TV show?
2: Ooh. Oh, 911. 911.
0: Okay.
3: Mine's friends. I'm on season 10.
0: Friends. <laughs> friends, not on Netflix anymore. So you bought uh, you have it on Peacock? Or you have it on Blu-ray? HBO Max? Okay, HBO Max. Okay. Um, Asia, this one is, uh, I guess we can make this a two-person question. So for Asia, where did you get your fired Virginia Tech graduation jacket? Who did that? That was awesome. Where, where did we get that done?
2: Um, Actually it was from student athlete development. Um, It was a gift for completing all their, their programs and stuff like that throughout my years here. And I got a free suit from rebel uh, suits. So it was awesome. That is awesome. So same question for you, Liz, we don't have the jacket yet,
0: but if there was an NIL deal of a place that you would like to be sponsored by for apparel, who would it be?
3: I mean, this would be a dream, like in yeah. my dreams, Nike. <laughs> <laughs> right, right,
2: right. <laughs> right.
3: Is there one local in
0: Blacksburg? I
2: don't know. Honestly, there, like VT Thrift. I was just about to say yeah. Oh, my God.
0: VT Thrift is fire. <laughs> they just upgraded, moved over a couple blocks. VT Thrift is fire. That's right. <laughs> um. When So you mentioned this, Liz, about being a doctor. Excited to learn more about that. When the ball stops bouncing, what all do you want to do? I want to go
3: to med school. So hopefully I got to prepare myself for that, but
0: what kind of doctor?
3: I'm not sure. I want to get into the school first and then see where it
0: goes. Okay. What about you, Asia?
2: Um, I want to be a sports broadcaster in whatever capacity that is. um, But my dream is to work for ESPN. That's awesome.
0: And then what about your favorite? So two part question. We'll start with favorite WNBA player right now.
2: Chelsea Gray, hands down. And she just joined ACC Network, so we'll see a lot of her soon. Yeah.
3: This is horrible. I have no idea. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Favorite NBA player?
0: No, oh, that's Brian. even, worse. For even me. worse. Favorite athlete? Agent, Agent oh, Schreiber.
2: my God, No! <laughs> no
0: so, <laughs> so we learned today that elizabeth kitley uh plays basketball but spends the rest of her time watching friends i, so, watch,
3: okay. I watch college basketball i love yes. college basketball
0: okay uh, well okay basketball okay. Basketball. okay i'm not gonna ask you who your favorite college basketball player is outside of virginia tech i guess here we'll make we'll make it we'll make it even easier who's your favorite character on friends
3: oh this is like every time i say this people make
0: fun of me but i love ross i think he's so funny I mean, Ross is, lo- Ross is lovable. I'm more of a Joey Tribbiani guy myself. <laughs> but um, I love Ross so much. So like... <laughs> well, wait, have either of you guys seen The Office?
3: Yes. Oh, my God. That was my favorite show before I watched
0: Friends. So we played this game with the men's team. I'd love to ask you guys. So in life, you can always take a character from a show and compare them to somebody on your team. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, do you have any teammates that remind you of a character from Friends, The Office, or any other television show?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like Taylor. Taylor could be Angela. <laughs> no, 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 that is. I don't even. That's I'm not, sorry.
0: That sounds bad. That's funny though. Now I'm gonna have to go watch it. Okay, right. You get back. You get back. I can't believe you haven't seen The Office or Friends. You got. We gotta it, it
2: would be Georgia. She. I was watching. what Was I watching Friends the other day with you?
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's put me on. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll put it on in the walker room. Yeah. So like they have no choice. <laughs> What about uh? So, what do you guys listen to? What's on the pregame playlist?
2: Whatever Georgia's play. <laughs> Georgia is our our music connoisseur. Yeah. Um, she gets us hyped up whether it's yeah. in our game day locker room or our locker room in the practice facility. Whatever Georgia's listening to, we're listening to. And it's every genre. You never know what to expect. Exactly.
0: What is y'all's preference? If you're walking across the drill field doing whatever, what are y'all listening to?
2: I would say like R and B. Okay. Same. I love RB.
3: I also listen to Taylor Swift like nobody's business. So
0: so what's the best Taylor Swift album?
3: I love I love Reputation. I love folklore. I love Lover. Those are okay. my three
0: favorites. Yeah, you're a big time Swifty. Okay. <laughs> Next we have pre-game uh pre-game rituals. Do either of you have any pregame uh, superstitions, pregame rituals, anything that you guys do before a game every time?
2: I always need a pack of gushers. <laughs> okay, pack of gushers. <laughs> Mine is definitely – I have to shower after pregame and I have to take a nap.
0: After pregame?
2: After, like, shoot around and stuff. How much time do you guys have? It honestly depends on the game day, but normally, like, I would say probably, like, 45 minutes to an hour.
0: You shower in 45 minutes and and nap in an hour? Yeah. Wow. That's
2: impressive. I
3: can't – Yeah, we have designated areas in the locker room
2: where we knock out. Wow. It's actually kind of laughable how (laughs) – how we're so, like, detail-oriented. Like, everybody has to sit in their same seats and stuff like that. We're, yeah. So
0: you don't wake up groggy? You just wake up ready to drop buckets? Like, you just take a nap and you're ready to roll?
2: Yeah, I need the nap. I need the nap. It's essential. Wow.
0: Okay. Um, what about toughest matchup? Who's the best player that each of you have played against, respectively?
2: I I have to go with uh Dana Evans. Okay. Last year, yeah. She was... She was on another level last season.
3: Me defensively would definitely be Elisa. But, uh, I hate saying that
0: because. So, friend. correct me if I'm wrong. Were you guys teammates in high school? We play on the same AAU team, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, what is your favorite place to eat in Blacksburg?
2: Most frequent, probably Elrod's. I was just about to <laughs> say that. Elrod's or El Centro?
0: Yeah. Wow, okay, okay. El Centro? That's new. I was that was after my time. Um what about funniest teammate? There,
3: there's different kinds of funny. I was about to say most entertaining, probably Georgia. Uh-huh. Most casually funny. Z's just
2: funny. I was, KT's just funny. Emily, like everybody. Everyone's funny. But casually funny, I think Liz takes the cake because oh. she she's not like she's unintentionally funny. Like. Just the way she says things, like, it's, it's hilarious. Can you give me an example of unintentionally funny?
3: I just I, – <laughs> I,
0: I, guess, I guess there's a good example. That,
2: yeah. That's it right there. That's it right
0: there. Um, okay, so we used to do um, – we, we, I love asking players about their coaches' isms. So something their coach is constantly saying, something that their coach says is that the coach says that's kind of funny – does coach Brooks have any isms or, uh, or quotes that are just funny? <laughs> I
2: don't think <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> quality over quantity. He always says quality over quantity. That's his thing. That's, that's, that's his way of saying it could be short or it could be long mm-hmm. practice wise. Um, <laughs> obviously. <And laughs> Thanks for the breakdown. Um, yeah. Then what else did you say? Um, I can't think.
3: I can't think
2: of anything. Honestly, but I know. You have to edit this part. Hold on. Energy and effort is worth eight points a game. Always. Oh, oh, when you get in trouble, if somebody gets in trouble, it's like, come on, Marla. Like, <laughs> 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 sorry, Marla. I honestly, it's literally. It's not even what he says. It's more so like his body language. Yeah. Like if we okay. do something wrong, head down. <laughs> it's not make he doesn't even. So That's a either. podcast. Just head down, head down. Head, or palm to forehead. He'll mess with <laughs> the or something. Yeah. Or
3: he just won't say anything. Else. He'll just sit there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, do either of you have a player that you model your game after?
3: Personally, no, because I don't. I model my play after coach Brooks because he does everything in our workouts. Like if he shows me a move, he'll do it first. And then I'll try to beat yeah. like
2: him. <laughs> I would say for me, it would be either Dame or CJ McCollum. Okay. Yeah.
0: What about your favorite moment in your Hokie career, both on and off the court?
3: On the court um, was the NCAA tournament and beating NC state at home last year. Okay. Oh Very good memories.
2: I was just gonna this isn't really on the court, but like hearing our name called for the first time since I've been here, that was honestly still gives me chills to this day. Um, off the court getting my master's. Awesome. Well hey, I, this was a ton of fun. I loved doing
0: this. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the four and0 start. Congratulations on uh, y'all's career and uh, really looking forward to everything. If you guys had a message for Castle Guard, and all the fans, and everybody else. We got to start packing Castle. You got to get out. We got to come see this the, the best show on hardwood. I want you guys to serve a public service announcement to students, Blacksburg residents, and the New River Valleyites. Why should we come watch the Virginia Tech women's basketball? We'll start with you, Asia.
2: Uh, because we're fun. We're amazing. We shoot the ball. We shoot a lot of threes. We're fast-paced. We get up and down. Um, we're averaging like... 70, 80 points a game right now. Come watch the show. Get on the bus before it leaves you. <sighs> get on the plane before you get flown over. That's exactly. Hey. That's the one. Liz,
3: anything
0: know. to add? Hard to follow that up.
3: Not, no, really. But I think we play, like, good quality basketball. Like, we play basketball how it's supposed to be played, I think. And it's entertaining and still, you know, satisfying to watch. Awesome.
2: Hashtag we are number twenty-five in the country. Yeah, and we're ranked. so Like, just saying.
0: <laughs> Girls, fantastic job. Looking forward to the rest of this season, and keep it up. Love what you guys are doing. Thank Thanks you. so much, Ray.
4: It's the Suns of Saturday, Virginia Tech Goose Pod. My name is Mike McDaniel, joined by Ed Williams. Ed, Virginia Tech's 5-0, and we previewed Radford, St. Francis, and Mary Mack when we talked last Monday, and it was the day of the Radford game. Radford, like we mentioned, was probably Virginia Tech's toughest opponent of you know the upcoming three games. The Hokies kind of rolled through this schedule, but it wasn't real easy in the first half against Radford in particular last Monday, but the Hokies are 5-0 going to the toughest part of conference of, of the non-conference schedule, and the cupcakes are pretty much over it. Yep, we're through the cupcake
5: part of the schedule. It's time to play big boy basketball, starting off with Memphis this week. I would say of three games, they probably, Virginia Tech would probably like to have back the first half against Radford and the first half against Merrimack. Other than that, the, the boys rolled, and you know, they covered in all all the games. I know Pat Finn's been hammering that on Twitter, 5-0, 5-0 against the spread. Yep. I'm happy to come back to you and report. Went as planned. And there was no surprise upsets, no freak injuries. So, uh, smooth sailing through this past week. Uh, three games that, you know, obviously should have won, did win. And now it's time to play big boy basketball moving forward.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Tech's got a ranked Memphis team, 930 on Wednesday night at the Barclays. I mean, this is the toughest game they've played so far, goes without saying. Uh, but the upcoming stretch is particularly particularly difficult. So they got the Memphis game. Then the Friday night game, you know, day after Thanksgiving, we'll figure out, you know, well, we think it'll be Friday night, uh, Friday afternoon or Friday night. They're going to be playing either Xavier or Iowa State in that game. Uh We'll, we'll see who, who that ends up being, varying levels of difficult there. But then you go on the road to College Park a week from Wednesday. So, man, this is a tough three-game stretch here. Uh, and then you have a, what I think is a winnable game against Wake to, to kind of, you know, it'll be your first game of ACC play. But there, there are simply just no real gimmies from here on out, I feel like. Um, you know, there are some easier teams Tech will play in the acc but we know that no acc game is uh is a true gimme ed because you know any team can show up any given night in in conference play and give you a hard time if you're not shooting the ball well but this non-conference stretch these next three games are going to be particularly tough and then you have this wake game sandwiched in you know the 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 true start to conference play for for tech is the 22nd of december at duke because that's all acc games from there on out but we get a preview of ACC play on the fourth when Tech plays Wake Forest, and then it's home against Cornell at Dayton, and home against a really freaking good St. Bonaventure team. <laughs> like I, I, caught some of their games this weekend. Oh my god, they are going to be a problem.
5: Yeah, St. Bonaventure is really good. I watched both, um, both of their games. In I forget which tournament they were in, but they were they are fantastic. Both games they went down um in double digit deficit and came all the way back and won they're very good their guard play is fantastic uh Kyle Lofton's is really really good so that's gonna be a tough test for Virginia Tech. I think that might actually be the toughest non-conference game on the schedule including Memphis I still think St. Bonaventure might be a tougher game than Memphis um but yeah Memphis on Wednesday and then either Xavier or Iowa State after that um all three really good programs uh Xavier Probably slightly better than Memphis, so we'll see which one of those two we we get the draw on. But Memphis is going to tell us a lot about Virginia Tech and what this team is and what their you know ceiling can be. It's still you know it's still November, so it's still really early. Uh, a lot can change moving forward. But Memphis has all the talent in the world. They're as talented as any team in the country. Um, Jalen Duran and Imani Bates are fantastic players, and will present problems with their skill and athletic ability that Virginia Tech has not even come close to seeing yet this year. Um, you know, these guys have all seen it before in ACC play last year, of course, against, you know, incredible athletes and incredible basketball players. But uh, Durant and Bates are probably both top five picks um, in the NBA draft. So it's it's a whole different animal playing against guys like that. Now, fortunately, we're catching them early in the year um, in Brooklyn. Right. You know, hopefully they're not super settled into college basketball yet. And we can, you know, present some problems schematically that I think Mike Young's really good at putting other teams in awkward positions, especially young teams. So I'm really looking forward to that game. I think we'll learn a ton about what this Virginia Tech team has in store for the rest of the year. This week, I mean, especially starting Wednesday and against Memphis and then all the way to the following Wednesday uh, at Maryland and college park. And what'll be a pretty awesome environment. I'm going to be there. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking at tickets. I'm looking at tickets. Come on up, man. It's going to be a good time. And that'll probably be for most of these guys, you know, the first, real road game maybe I mean at it, minimum in two years right but it's going to be a pretty awesome environment uh College Park gets gets jumping for Turtles basketball so all these games are going to be awesome I'm really looking forward to it and you know we learned some throughout non-conference or what you know the cupcake part of non-conference and I will dive into that in a little bit here in a second but I'm really looking forward to watching this Virginia Tech offense stack up against legitimate power five basketball players.
4: Yeah, I'm not too interested in, like, recapping game by game the Radford game, St. Francis and Merrimack, because the, the end result was good. But like you mentioned, there, there are a couple of concerns, right? Like, I, I think, you know, and, and that doesn't just go for the last three games, but for the first two games against Maine and Navy as well. Like, Virginia Tech is susceptible to stretches where they go cold. They're also susceptible to stretches where they don't rebound the ball particularly well. Those are my two biggest concerns. Uh, coming out of the the first five games. And it's not, again, I, I don't want to like sound the alarms and act like this is going to be catastrophic or anything like that because I just don't think that's the case. When I mean, you're nitpicking when you're winning games by 30 points every other night. But I, I just feel like those are two areas of general concern, and those are going to be areas I think could potentially crop up throughout the year where if Virginia Tech drops a game or two in ACC play that we thought they, they should have won, maybe it's because they shot like 30% from the field in one half, you know. Uh, Or maybe they, you know, Keve Luma, you know, got bullied down low and played a little bit soft, right? Like those are, those are kind of like my, my big picture concerns I think when it comes to this team, but on a separate note, I feel like this team has also done a really good job of bouncing back when they've had a cold shooting half or bouncing back when they've had a poor rebounding half and they, and they've played better. And Mike Young and his staff, they're really good at making like in-game adjustments and that's clear. So I I think there's obviously some concern, but you can only be concerned so much when you know the staff's going to make the requisite adjustments and you know, you have the personnel. Like I think Virginia Tech has the personnel on this roster, obviously to be very good. There's no doubt about that, but those are the two, I guess, bigger areas of concern for me.
5: Yeah, I definitely agree on the rebounding front. I think that is for sure an area of concern. Um, I'd still would like to see more from Aluma on the, on the glass. I, I think, you know, it's a problem when he's getting out rebounded by Hunter Kator or Naheem Aline. Um, that's just not sustainable. And I do love that it's a team where everyone's going to rebound. I mean, even against Navy, Storm was awesome on the glass. So it's a five-man effort on the glass. And that's kind of what it's going to have to be all year long for Virginia Tech. But I'd love to see a little bit more out of Keve on the glass. I think there's an area of improvement for him. Um, so that is definitely an area of concern for me. Um, the other part is just overall team defense. And what it's going to look like when we play better competition. Um, You know, we're not going to be able to stay in front of everybody all the time. Like we have against these first five games against inferior teams. So overall team defense and rotations and kind of how that's going to play out will be really interesting for me moving forward as well. In terms of your cold stretches comment, that is a problem for a team that shoots a lot of threes. Um, I think it's less of a problem for this team because of the calming force on offense that Kevin Aluma can be. Um, You know, you go three straight empty possessions, the staff is immediately drawing up a play for Kevai Aluma to get the ball on the block. So he brings that kind of consistency and calming presence on the offensive end that I think can allow Hunter Kator and Himaline to miss a few shots. And this team to not, you know, fall into a trap where they're on an 0-14 run and the other team's running away with this thing. So the ability to play through Aluma and Mutz as we get into better competition, I think we will see uh, early and often. The two of them are probably the best players in this team. Um, and I think they bring that calming presence. And I think we haven't had to play through them yet so far, so we haven't really seen it. And I've, I've heard some fans say, like, oh, well, we haven't seen the Lumo do this, or we haven't seen this, that, the other. It didn't need to happen yet. Uh, and I think as we get into bigger bigger, and better competition, we will see uh, Virginia Tech's offense flow through Kev Luma and Justin Mutz a lot more often. And I think that will bring a more – Uh, Even approach and more consistency to the overall offensive flow, but they're still going to shoot a lot of threes because Storm, Pator, and Aline are all 40% plus guys from three. So that is not going anywhere, but I do think there'll be a more concerted effort to get the ball to Keve and Justin Mutz and be more uh, two-dimensional on the offensive side of the floor.
4: Let's, let's do our Sean Padula litmus test because we talked about in the last podcast how this was going to be at least an eight-man rotation, maybe nine, but the ninth guy was Pedula We didn't know how many minutes he was going to get. It's pretty clear he's still getting some minutes, still getting some playing time. I think he's looked fine. But probably not as comfortable as Mike Young would like him to look, but he's a true freshman. So, I mean, I, I think reasonably speaking, he's, he's been fine. Is he doing enough, Ed, in your mind to warrant the minutes he's going to need to get in theory, for Virginia Tech to be like a well-rounded team, right? Because I think in ideal world, you have Padula coming off the bench for 10 to 12, maybe 14 minutes a game, either playing alongside Storm Murphy or spelling Storm Murphy, giving him a, giving him a chance to go to the bench to take a breather. I don't
5: know. <laughs> I, I've been impressed yeah, with I him. I, thought, I, I think over the last three, especially coming out of Navy, coming back to Castle, the Radford game, and the St. Francis game and the Merrimack game, I thought he looked better every time. Um, it, I thought he played pretty good against Merrimack against the zone, um, which was, you know, which was tough for Virginia Tech and the first half playing an all zone team like Merrimack. Um, you saw that that was something we hadn't seen yet this year. We had, you know, five turnovers really fast against the zone. So that was interesting, but I don't know. I, I, in terms of the role player development, I would say Darius Maddox has been the most impressive so far, um, which has been a huge, huge boost. And really nice to see. Uh, He looks pretty good on the floor. He looks very confident on both ends. He's shooting the ball pretty well. Um, So I'm very happy with Darius Maddox's game so far. and I look forward to continuing to watch that develop. Um, And then kind of right behind him, I've had Padula as like the second most impressive guy. Uh, I think that's probably mostly due to my lack of expectations for a freshman point guard. Um, But I thought he looked pretty good and more comfortable every time. It'll be interesting to see how Mike Young handles this. And I, I'm going to guess it's going to look like Navy and Radford where Padula plays in the first half, but in the second half, when Storm needs to sit, it's a Couture, a lean bringing the ball up kind of thing. Um, I'm guessing Padula will still get some minutes, but it probably will be more of that first half, not second half model um, that Mike Young has used twice so far this year. So I think he's getting there. I don't know if he's, White earned that ninth spot. I think he's probably at eight and a half right now in terms of the rotation depth. Um, but he's getting there. And, you know, you can see the promise in his game. He can shoot it. He can dribble. He can pass. Uh, he can do it all. So that's what you want from a blank guard. And I think as he gets more comfortable, he'll find his role throughout ACC play. But going
4: into Memphis, I'm not anticipating a whole lot from Sean Padula. Taking care of the ball, too. Um, I mean, he hasn't really been turning it over when he's been in. Yeah, he's he's been he's been I mean I don't think anybody's expecting him to come in and be like a you know all-American or something he's been good he's been good though he's been solid uh, you could definitely see why Mike young recruited him I think he's gonna be a very good player uh the, the fact that he's been as comfortable as he has been uh overall I think has been enlightening and the fact that you're able to have a guard in storm Murphy that you don't want to take off the floor but if you needed to for a couple of minutes you can put Padula in and he won't get totally overwhelmed, I I think, is a good thing. Uh, Darius Maddox, I agree with your point. I mean, Maddox has been shooting the ball great. Uh, He's shooting nearly 64% from three. He's shooting 57% from the floor. He's been awesome. Uh, Defensively, he's holding his own. Offensively, there's no shot he doesn't like, but he seems to be very efficient with the high volume that he shoots when he's in the game. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's been Tech's most impressive player as far as like guys who have made a huge jump. Uh, you know, we, we talked about coming into the season how Mutz and Aluma were going to drive this team and obviously having Storm Murphy and that and that calming veteran presence really helps. But, you know, the fact that Aline really hadn't been shooting the ball all that well, to to have a guy coming off the bench and Maddox kind of offset that is huge. And Couture has been good as well. Uh again, I I look at, I look at Naheem Aline. I guess if we want to go with like the team's most disappointing player so far, I guess it's Nahim Aline. But the thing about that is like, he's been better the last two games. So, you know, he shot the ball well against St. Francis. I thought he was fine yesterday against Merrimack, uh, 50% from three, 45% from the floor overall. He had 12 points. Like he seems to be kind of getting his feet under him from a shooting standpoint. And He's now, he's now up to a shade over, uh, I guess, nearly 41% from the field, which you want to see that be a little bit higher. But he was so cold the first few games, and it looks like he's starting to find his shot, which is good. I mean, Tech's going to need him to to produce and be that kind of player on the wing.
5: I think Naheem was pressing big time in the first oh, few yeah. games. Yep. I mean, I think he came in and, you know, wanted to be that go-to wing scorer at all three levels, and he was taking a lot of mid-range jump shots, which – I don't mind necessarily, but they're definitely not the most efficient shot to be taking. Um, I'd love to see him get to, the, get to the rim more. But, yeah, he's he's looked much better against uh, St. Francis and against Merrimack. Um, much more in like that calm, steady presence, who's going to give you 10 to 12 points per game night in and night out and shoot the ball at a very efficient level. Um, he looked pretty good in both of those games. And, you know, it, it continues to speak to what this team is, where, night in and night out, you're going to have a different leading scorer. Um, Against Navy, I think Aluma ended up being the leading scorer by one point at 20, but Couture had 19 right behind him. And then coming into Radford, storm, all of a sudden burst onto the scene with 17 to lead the team. And then against St. Francis, Aluma had 18, but so did Aline. So you never know who's going to be, you know, that first or second leading scorer on this team. It could be anybody, any given night. Um, so it, it's very nice to see that his game is coming around. He had a good game against Merrimack. storm led the team with 14, but Naheem was right behind him. So we're going to need him to provide that, you know, what you expect from him, 10 to 12 points, uh, need that offsetting game to help out from the wing perspective. Cause you know, as much as this team, as much as the engine of this team is Kev Aluma and Justin Mutz, they can't do it all which we found out against Florida when Naheem Malin had to have the game that he had in order for it to even be close because the two bigs were shut down against Florida. So it's going to happen. I'm glad to see that his game is coming around to where you'd expect it to be. Um, in terms of, you know, Storm, we haven't really talked about him much, but that dude is so much fun to watch. I mean, highlight real plays left and right. The the split, the double team against Radford that with the alley-oop pass to Justin Mutz sports center, number one play. That was awesome. And then yesterday against Merrimack banking it off the dude's back on the inbounds play and putting it up. And then like you see in like a, like a like Mike movie. I mean, that was pretty awesome. He's so much fun to watch. He really is the key that unlocks this whole offense. Um, Mutz and Illum are the engine of the car, but storm is the key that gets everything rolling. So he has been a godsend for Mike young, I think, especially offensively now The defensive question marks in his game haven't really been answered yet. They haven't had to be. Um, We're going to find out pretty quick this week with Memphis, Xavier, Iowa State, uh, what Storm can give you defensively. Or I guess the better question is how limited is he? I think he'll be all right because he plays super hard. um, And that alone can be really annoying to opposing guards, especially young ones. So I think Storm will be okay. I don't think he'll be as much of a liability as we thought, but, He is going to need some help from other guys to pick him up on the defensive end. He's been fantastic. And then Hunter Couture is just the perfect Mike Young basketball player. Uh, Doesn't really turn the ball over. He can sometimes. He goes through, like, weird spurts where he will, but for the most part doesn't turn it over. Shoots at a crazy high level. um, Steals possessions on the defensive end with his ability to take charges. So the starting five is fantastic. We know that, and we've seen in the past in big games – Think back to Michigan State uh, two years ago and, you know, other big games against big teams. Uh, Mike Young rolls with his five, and I think we'll see a lot of that against Memphis. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But I've been really impressed overall with kind of everybody, but it's hard to, yeah, you got to temper expectations a little bit, right, as we head into what will be legitimate basketball against programs who are in the same uh, sentence as Virginia Tech in terms of national level aspirations. So uh, everybody's been impressive. I guess we really haven't talked about Ojiako or Gassan yet. Um, Ojiaka has been, you know, I guess relatively impressive considering what he was last year or what he wasn't at all last year. Right. So his, his game has been great. Um, you know, provide a big defensive body off the, off the bench to spell and then, I've actually been kind of disappointed with David Gasson. I don't know if that was because he was talked about so much in the offseason. And then he came out in that first game and went like seven for seven from the field with 15 right. points. My expectations were him for him were really high. But I just think since then he's been pretty underwhelming and I think pressing in a lot of ways. When he comes in and he gets the ball, he thinks he immediately has to go to the basket. I mean, I'm hoping he'll slow down, but yeah, I'm I don't know, man. There's there's a lot to like. There are concerns but the schedule moving forward is going to answer so many questions. And it's going to be so much fun to watch.
4: I want to circle back to your Hunter Couture comment on the turnovers because he had a couple of weird turnovers against Radford in particular. uh, But he is the only starter averaging less than a turnover a game. So he's been really good at taking care of the ball. And to your point, he steals possessions on the other end with how he takes charges and how he defends. So uh, no concerns about Hunter Couture really from a turnover standpoint. Uh, I agree with your point on David and Gusan, like really good in the opener against Maine, really mediocre since then, definitely pressing. If, if you want to pick two guys who are pressing, it's Aline and David and Gusan for sure. Like those those are the guys who are pressing. Now Storm Murphy unlocks and untaps another whole different level to this offense. Just his ability to score is something Tech just simply didn't have last year. And Oshiyaka is a really important player because what Virginia Tech didn't have a year ago is a guy you can rely on to come in off the bench and be an able-bodied big who wasn't going to get himself in a foul trouble um, and wasn't going to what uh, wasn't going to uh, come off the bench to be a total liability. Like a lot of times last year, what ended up happening at Tech was they would bring David and Kusan up off the bench as a true freshman. And he was spelling a or Mutz. And it's like, okay, we need, like a real big, like this kid defensively, he gets it, but he's a true freshman and to have Ojiako come in when Aluma in particular gets himself into foul trouble is huge on defense, bend to the floor, something that tech didn't have a year ago. A big reason why Colin Castleton just buried tech in, in the, in the NCAA tournament game is because tech didn't have anybody off the bench when Aluma and or Mutz got into foul trouble to really spell them and, and give them some minutes. So that's why Ojiako has been important. I mean, his offensive game, has been fine. I mean, well, he's shooting 60% from the field, which I mean, I think you want the clip to be a little bit higher considering how close he plays to the basket offensively, but defensively, he's been, he's been really good. Um, And he's been really important. I think more than anything for the rotation, Justin Mutz has been solid, just all around solid. And he's not a guy who's going to get you like 15 and 10 every night, but he's a guy who does a little bit of everything. Well, right. Um, He'll score for you. He, you know he's going to rebound defensively. The intensity is always going to be there. He's going to make those hustle plays. He's the most important guy on the floor for Virginia Tech. I think he needs to continue to be that as, as we enter a tougher part of the schedule.
5: Yep, I couldn't agree more. And his ability to guard multiple positions is going to be
4: huge moving forward
5: as well. Um, I think David Gasson will figure it out. I think he'll, you know, if if, if he's not going to be, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of where he was offensively last year. I think at the very least, he can be a very valuable defensive player. Uh, he's athletic enough to guard out on the wing and, you know, big enough and strong enough now after the offseason where he added a bunch of muscle to guard guys down in the post too. So his versatility defensively can be, if nothing else, his only real, you know, contributing factor. That can be a huge thing for this team uh, going into te- games against, especially Memphis who's just so much more athletic than everybody else. Right. So I think everybody will settle down and find their role. I think the rotation is probably really only eight deep. And in the second half, maybe only six deep, five deep. So it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Young plays things. But th- this team is you know, more than capable to reach the goals that I think Virginia Tech fans had for them going into the year. I think a lot of questions have been answered. Um, depth, role players, what is Darius Maddox, what is Sean Padula, what is John Ogiako? those questions have all, I think, been answered to a relative level of certainty um, and a place where, you know, I think Tech fans can feel pretty confident going into the tough slate moving forward. Um, Memphis is really good. They're 4-0. They haven't really played anybody either. I think their best win is probably Western Kentucky where they won by 12. Yep. So they're going to be in a similar situation, uh, if not even more exacerbated, considering the fact that those guys haven't really played Power 5 basketball yet. In terms of Duran and Bates, they're two best players, two leading scorers. Um, they haven't played anybody as good as Virginia Tech yet. Right. Um, neither have our guys this year, but we have in the past. So, I mean, leaning on past experiences, um, I'll take Mike Young 10 out of 10 times against Penny Hardaway in a X's and O's competition. So, I think Virginia Tech should feel pretty good going into this game. It's going to be a tough one. Uh, stylistically, it's completely different than anything – Uh, Tech has seen so far and we'll see probably for quite some time um, between now and Duke, probably because St. Bonaventure is a different kind of team than Memphis is. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited for Wednesday. I know uh, John Rothstein's pumped. I saw him tweeting about it. Oh, yeah, they will be there. I know Pat and Billy will be there. Um, I wish I could be there, but, you know, I'll be watching on TV, rooting the boys on. I think it's going to be a really good game. So I'm
4: excited for it. Not too far of a trip for Pat and Billy, both being Jersey guys, going up to Brooklyn to, to see that game. Uh, yeah, wherever wherever Billy's from. <laughs> yeah, he's allegedly from Jersey. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so these next three games, I, I urge Tech fans to focus, because we're so early in the year, I urge Tech fans to focus more on the process than the results here and see how Tech looks. Obviously, we, we would all like to see Tech go 3-0 and in this upcoming stretch of Memphis, Iowa State slash Xavier, and then Maryland. I don't think I don't think it's likely. Um, I think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. I would urge Virginia Tech fans to focus on how the team looks and how the team is playing and whether or not Virginia Tech is able to adjust in-game when things aren't going their way against better competition. Because, I mean, we trust Mike Young to do that, but I want to see how that looks on the floor and how the players are adjusting to better competition. That's what I'm focused on, just like big picture. Like, we can talk about, like, nuances of it, you know, and we, we've talked about the rebounding and, you know, we've talked about the, the cold stretches tech goes into and, and whether or not Kebe Aluma or Justin Mutz, whoever they drop a play for underneath is going to be able to remedy that. But like my whole thing is how consistently is this team going to defend or continue to defend when shots aren't falling? Because I think that's been a one positive that I didn't mention earlier is that I do like the way Virginia tech's been defending. And again, it's been against lower levels of competition. I understand that teams have missed some open shots too, but I do like the way Tech has been able to defend even the tough stretches they've gone through shooting. I, th- I think the defense has been a constant. Now, how good is the defense? We're going to find out against better competition when those shots start falling that they're, you know, when they're leaving guys open. But that's what I'm really going to be paying attention to these next three games. I think Tech's defense is able to stand up to the challenge and keep them in games where maybe they're not shooting it particularly well for stretches. That's going to tell us a lot about this team and kind of what their ceiling is going to be moving forward when, once you get into conference play.
5: Yeah, defense is by far my biggest question. Uh, It has been from the very first game, and it still is now. Uh, Jalen Duran had 22 and 19 against Western Kentucky on Friday. Um, He's 6'10". He's going to be a top-five draft pick. I don't know what answer Virginia Tech will have defensively for that. Um, I don't think it will be one-on-one. I think it will be more of a schematic defensive approach answer to that. But 22 and 19, come on. That is just ridiculous. Uh, and they won that game despite the fact that Imani, was, Imani Bates was 2 of 10 with five points, Yeah, um, one of the more skilled and highly touted high school players ever. Uh, I remember hearing about that kid when he was a freshman in high school. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this game plays out. I think it will be – Virginia Tech's going to look to slow things down as much as possible. That's what they're going to do most games anyway. Um, Virginia Tech's a very, very good half-court offensive team. So Tech's going to want to slow it down. Memphis is going to want to get out and run. Um, if Tech can come out and punch them in the mouth early, I like our chances. But it's going to be it's going to be a really good game. Uh, it is. I'm really looking forward to it. And then you know you talked about Xavier slash Iowa State. Whoever we land there, um, it's another really good program. Xavier is probably a little bit better than Iowa State, but uh, historically good programmed power five for Iowa state Uh, Xavier's just very good basketball school always has been. And then the Maryland game, which Maryland has been incredibly underwhelming so far. Um, Mark Turgeon, in my opinion, is firmly on the hot seat and we're not even through November yet, but uh, that environment in college park is going to be a test in its own right for Virginia tech. So
4: yeah. um,
5: Mike, you got a prediction of those three games. What's our record coming out of it next Wednesday night?
4: I think, I think it's, oh man, it's, t- it's tough because I think Memphis is a really tough matchup for Virginia tech. I can see Virginia tech losing to Memphis. I think Virginia tech can beat Iowa state or Xavier. I, I don't think one over, over the other. I, I agree with you. Like Xavier's probably a little bit better, but I, I don't think Virginia tech will have a hard time really matching up with either one of those teams. I think Virginia tech matches up really well against Maryland. The problem is that Maryland going to college park, it's tough. Like. It's a tough place to go play, and you know I think Virginia Tech's a veteran team, so you offset that a little bit. You know they've they've been in in tough road environments before, but a lot of them, when you consider Storm Murphy at Wofford and Aluma at Wofford and Mott's everywhere he's been, like they haven't really experienced an environment like College Park yet, um, not with fans in attendance, right? Aluma um, redshirted a couple years ago, so. <laughs> He wasn't playing in the, in the tough ACC games. And then last year was just an entirely different year with no fans. So I I wonder how this team, even though it is a veteran team, I do wonder how this team responds. And then you think about guys like, oh, I mean, Sean Padula, right? Like going on like his first real road environment. Like, what does that look like? David Ngusan and Darius Maddox, their first true road test because of last year not having any fans. I do I do worry about that game. I'm going to say two and one. I think Virginia Tech clucks two of these, whether it's an upset against Memphis or you know, winning the game in College Park. I think Tech does go two and one in this stretch. One and two, I don't think is out of the question. I think Tech could drop a couple here. Uh, but I would be very surprised if Tech goes 0-3 in this upcoming stretch, uh, because then we're going to come back and do a podcast that looks way... Uh, we'll probably do a podcast before the Maryland game, potentially, but I think we'll be coming back and having a podcast that's entirely different if Tech goes through this next stretch, 0-3.
5: Yeah, i I completely agree. Well, I'm sure we'll record after Memphis and you know whatever that second game ends up looking like yep. in Brooklyn. But yep, um, I agree. I think of the three, um, Memphis is the toughest. Maryland is probably the second toughest, only because of environment. Yep, agree. That third game, I think we we should beat either of those teams. But you know, any any given day against those those kind of players, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I think Tech could very easily go three zero.
1: I think oh, two yeah. and one. Yeah, yeah. I think
5: two and one is where we'll feel really good about ourselves. One and two, I'll be bummed. Uh, and zero and three, I'll be kind of kind of shocked. Honestly, yeah. Zero um, and three would be pretty brutal. But I, I do think this team has more than the ability to go three and zero, beat Memphis. Um, you know, win whatever that second game in Brooklyn looks like, and then College Park is going to be interesting. Maryland's been really bad so far, but yeah, that's a whole new world. I mean, Storms played in Cameron before. With fans back in you know his Wofford days, but three everybody years else, ago. yeah, yep. Everybody else, this, is, this will be a relatively new experience for. So, uh, three really interesting games. They're all going to present a different challenge, um, both on the court and off. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Virginia Tech handles it. I think they'll be fine. I think this coaching staff is, um, you know, first class in terms of preparing their guys, X's and O's wise and mentally. So, I I don't really have too many worries. Uh, Jalen Duran is my biggest worry.
4: Yeah, he's a problem. That, yeah,
5: other than that, I feel really good about Virginia Tech, and I feel really good about um, what we're getting from everybody. You know, one through eight in terms of the
4: rotation. Agree. No, I agree. If Virginia Tech goes three and zero, I mean, the- <laughs> man, oh man. I, if if Tech goes three and zero the stretch, I'll tell you, man, this is a unequivocally to me a top fifteen team. If Tech's able to come out the stretch three and zero, just they still won't rank us. I, I know they won't but just like on paper like beating beating Memphis on a neutral floor on national TV on Friday night when a, or I'm, I'm sorry on Wednesday night when a lot of people are gonna be watching because Thursday's Thanksgiving so you can stay up late and watch that one and then winning a game on Friday when everybody's off work and it's gonna be a primetime game right and then going to Maryland and College Park and understanding how tough of a place that is to play if you go in and win that game too rank them. Ed, I mean, that should be ranked already, but rank them. And I, I just, man, that would really change some things for me. I I, I just think that this is a tech team that I, I want to believe is going to be really, really good. Right. But going three and oh in this stretch would be like, all right, like confirmed, we're going to be really good all year. And I guess I could still believe that coming out of the stretch one and two, but oh, and three, I'd be like, all right, man, we got some, we got some questions here, especially with. You know, the, the, the non-conference games coming up. I mean, Tech should beat Wake Forest on the fourth. You know, it's, it's at Castle, and Wake Forest is still in a rebuild. So that, that's a game Tech should win. But Cornell's not going to be an easy out. At Dayton, not going to be easy. Home against St. Bonaventure. Um, and I know that I believe that's neutral site, uh, St. Bonaventure. But, like, it's, it's not like this gets a lot easier, you know, after his three-game stretch. So we're definitely going to learn a lot about this game for sure.
5: Yeah, same Bonaventure down in Charlotte will be a tough test as well. But yeah, uh, just get me to nine thirty Wednesday night. Let's watch them play Memphis. Let's see how they handle Jalen Duran and Imani Bates. Defense is the biggest question. I think most other questions from you know our preseason pod have been answered to a pretty good you know degree at this point. But I'm ready to watch these boys play. Um, big boy basketball against some legitimate you know NBA level players. So it's. Very exciting times in Blacksburg for the football team. Or not football team, sorry. Basketball team. Not <laughs> football, football too, team. though. <laughs> football well, too. It's exciting. It's exciting in theory uh, for the football team. Yeah. But um one quick thing that we can get out of here is Landers Nolly is playing the sixth most minutes on Memphis. He's kind of their sixth man coming off <laughs> the bench. Um yeah. three points in 20 minutes and one of five shooting against Western Kentucky. So the Landers Nolly revenge game in Brooklyn on Wednesday. It's gonna be fun, and I think Virginia Tech fans have a lot to be
4: excited about on the basketball floor. God, forgot that Landers Nolly even exists, but yeah, had, had be, to throw that out there. Had
5: to throw that out there.
4: I'm I'm glad I'm glad you did because I totally forgot about Landers Nolly because he's just again not not playing a uh, gigantic role. I mean, he's six man is is still good, but I think relative to what we thought his career would be, that's not exactly what we were all expecting so all right well ed we'll uh we'll talk next week let's let's try to get a pod in before the maryland game um kind of see where this team's at after this uh thanksgiving weekend stretch here
5: yeah i'm gonna have a lot to
4: say about that one so
5: we'll definitely do a pod
4: on that one yeah for sure all right well until next time for ed williams my name is mike mcdaniel uh please rate review and subscribe to the podcast on the Sons of saturday virginia tech feed and we'll talk next week go Hokies. <laughs>